This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And today we are talking about the 1987 fantasy horror film The Gate. Yeah, directed by Tibor Takis. I'm not going to make Yeah, I think it's like right. Tibor Takis uh, and then written by Michael Nankin. Um, this... Man, the gate. So, so the reason that I, I wanted us to do this is a lot of people I've seen online. This, I, you know, it, it's people have been talking about this forever. But there's the debate of is PG thirteen horror good, and why is there so much of it? Um, well, the answer to that is PG thirteen has only existed since the year nineteen eighty four. So, why would you not capitalize on it when movies like Poltergeist were PG? Right. Exactly. So the step up in Poltergeist is amazing. So this next step up would be PG-13. So people are always like, PG-13 horror is bad. Now granted, a lot of PG-13 horror is bad, but granted, a lot of R-rated horror is bad. So Yes, I think it's more of a all-encompassing type of uh, scenario. Right, and you know we're also talking <clears throat> 1980s PG-13 when they're still figuring out what PG-13 means, and yes. 2000s PG-13. Mm -hmm. Because... It seemed like 2000s PG-13 and 2010s was very stylized, but not with a lot of substance to go along with it. It was high well, gloss. Well, it, like, it seems like it comes with the times, really. Like, when mm -hmm. this type of style, like, when The Gate was coming out, you like, we're thinking, like, mid to late 80s, we're thinking Goonies, we're thinking Indiana Jones, we're thinking all sure. of these, like, adventure type of... Like more accessible type of films, and the it's like it's like family horror in a way. Yeah, and, family yeah. in a way. It's like there's a whimsical adventure type of feeling to this, and a, quite a few other PG thirteen horror movies. Yeah, and I, you know the thing with this is that what I like about movies like The Gate and Goonies and a lot of the stuff from the eighties is they don't treat kids like idiots, which it seems in later films once we hit later into the. I don't know, 90s, 2000s, they kind of treat kids like idiots, you know? Um, they All the language is you know, toned down usually in, in these type of films. Actually, they kind of got rid of this type of, of uh, horror film. It doesn't. This type they, of they stuff doesn't did. really this, exist so much. This anymore. really does harken back to a to a lost era of movies that really don't exist anymore. And uh, like you could kind of see it in... I mean, I know this is R-rated, but like you see it a little bit in the It remake. You see it a little bit in oh yeah, definitely uh, the types of movies that are sort of starting to come back with like Stranger Things, like all of these things that are harkening back to the '80s because it's a throwback. It really uh, hit a good time because, and, and that's yes. the thing. A lot of people are. That's the one weird thing about Stranger Things. I think it's I think it's cool. Um, I was very interested even before it came out when there was a lot of people who were like, what the hell, this looks terrible. I had a bunch of friends who were saying, oh, this looks terrible. Now they love it and they think it's the greatest thing ever. Um, 
and a lot of people are seeing it as being so new and so re, you know uh, like bringing back all this 80s culture and I'm like no it, it helped bring it I guess more to a mainstream audience but this is this has always kind of been what a lot of fans have wanted these type of stories of like bringing back what it was like to be a teenager um, and and wanting the that feeling of like nostalgia watch you know experiencing the goonies again or experiencing an indiana jones type film or experiencing um that that feel like poltergeist or any of that type of stuff you know right and it it, it does feel like again this isn't feeling like something's being taken away from the movie because no. we talk about PG-13 at least in the modern era or maybe in the past 10 years let's say and it's very much, uh, okay, we have a haunted house kind of thing. There's a ghost, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare kind of a thing. Right. And that's been the kind of trend for PG-13 horror for most of that that period that we've kind of been leading yeah, up to. But well, it's, now, like, it's like take WB or CW or whatever it was, you know, because it all ended up becoming CW. But like take all the, those old stars. That's That was the cast of all of those 2000 horror films. Exactly. And it was all about pretty teenagers getting killed. And it wasn't about those emotional resonant moments was just really what stranger things has brought to it. It's putting normal looking people like they're not, they're not just taking off a, you know, a Neutrogena ad or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. These are, these are normal looking kids put in these situations and you're having adult conversations coming from kids, which is cool. Like that's what I really like about it. And that's what I think is great about the gate in particular is the conversations and some of the some of the elements that are going on in this film are a lot darker than what you would expect from a PG thirteen horror, at least nowadays. Right, because it's very much tied into a lot of drama that's going on in this kid's life, and you really don't get to some of the fantastical horror elements until much later in the film. Yeah, uh, yeah, because definitely. there's quite a bit of good buildup for a lot of the dynamics for the other characters. Uh, the narrative with our main character. It's, it's really balanced in a way that it throws a lot of the crazy stuff at you later so that yeah. it's more impactful. <laughs> it's like, I know it's crazy to say this now, but like it's really not done <laughs> that often anymore where uh, like it means more that it takes its time with its characters. Yeah. Uh, and it's really, really fun. Like I had a great time with this. This was a, this it, is a really fun little movie. The Gate is such a strange film when you think about it because at the end of it, has anything really happened? You know, uh, has, not really. Like, <laughs> and that's and that's what kind of is strange because when you're watching what's going on in this film, no one really, no one dies in this movie by the end of it. Right. Like, there's but, no like clarification of the stakes. There's no raising of the stakes. It's more of just like, oh man, like this is yeah. just getting crazier and crazier. Uh, and we're just going to have to deal with it, I guess. <laughs> but it, I, for some reason, I find it really effective. And it's just, it's very, it reminds me of like those scholastic books from the 80s that uh, you would have, you know, the scary stories to tell in the dark, but sure. not exactly. This is kind of not, this isn't that, but it would be one of those knockoff books, basically. Right. And, and it's I basically feel, like at the end of it, like the kids yeah. kind of like wipe off their hands and be like, well, that was just a crazy day in the neighborhood kind of a thing. And right. It has like an amazing stories vibe to it. It has a Tales from the Dark Side vibe. Yeah. Um, not, a, not so much Tales from the Crypt because that would always end in something pretty macabre. Um, but 
it, it no, definitely this very much more, has a happy <clears throat> ending in a way. It does. It does. Um, but it's still very, it's just really cool. This movie has so many strange things going on in it with this supposed ritual that it's so arbitrary. It is the most arbitrary thing ever, but it totally works for like kids, like a kid's film. For some reason in my mind, if I were 12 going through this, I'd be like, yeah, of course this makes sense. I found this oh, geode. Yeah. And obviously it's, it's, this <laughs> geode is part of some ritual in order to open some gate you know, and and bring about this these demons and whatever. And honestly, like, yeah. if this was if this was like revealed to be this like long con game of make believe in this one kid's head or something, mm-hmm. I'd buy it. Like I, I totally wouldn't even buy be that it. offended by it because it's just it's just that nonsensical yet still fantastical where you as a 12-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid would kind of just go along with this narrative for yourself because it's fun. And you play yeah. with it, and like, it reminds me of those things, those stories that you make up in your head that don't really make sense, but you make up a little adventure for yourself. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, the whole everything about you know, from the levitation stuff to the eyeball in the hand to all right. these, cra- these making crazy that little th- rocket that'll be shot into the demon lord. Like, it's yeah, great. I mean, it's just everything is so strange about this. The heavy metal album. And that the band all died in this plane crash. And if you play it backwards, it's just every, all of these things that people talked about in the 80s. Like, well, if you play this backwards and levitation and all that stuff. Right, um, right, right. And then all of it starts happening and no one believes uh, no one believes Glenn, played by a, a young Stephen Dorff in his first film role. That's <clears throat> And it's crazy to think that this was his first thing because... yeah. Uh, the, like I didn't, I did not think that he came from like a child star or a child actor sort of scenario. Uh, it's so, but weird, he's really though. good. It's a really cool. Yeah, no, it's he's a really cool thing. Yeah, no, it's he's great in this. And then uh, you have Lewis Tripp, um, who plays his buddy uh, Terry, and yeah, man, that character goes through a lot of shit. Like <laughs> his, I think his character is actually really well developed because he acts like. He acts exactly how a kid in that type of situation. You've seen it time and time again, you know? Like, he does... It's a very... But you... I think it works really well in this film, you know? Right. And it doesn't and feel, not, like, hammy or shoehorned in. It it works extremely well, I think. Right. And I'm going to harken back to The Goonies again, because when we think of, like, these adventurous, fantastical movies that involve yep. kids, we think of kids that are, like, kind of over the top and almost their characters are overdefined by their certain traits... Uh, mm-hmm. Like you can think of, every, you can remember every single kid just because of the way they dressed, they talked, their, their mannerisms, and stuff like that. But with oh, this yeah, movie, absolutely. it's more—it's more like subtly nuanced, where you're like, okay, this is a bit more of a relatable kid or a more relatable take on these characters, rather yeah. than like, oh, he's got like a utility belt that has a punching bag in it or something. Well, like that's that. the thing. Like, like everybody, everyone would want to be a member of the Goonies. I don't think anybody goes, man, I want to be Glenn. Or man, yeah. I want to be Terry. Like this is exactly. not that type of movie, um, because it's less of an adventure and more of a strange. I mean, it's a weird haunted house movie. Essentially, it takes place in one area, in the right. house and, and in the backyard. And I and I really think that this movie gets a bit more. It feels grounded a bit more in a weird way because of because the kids aren't as over the top. Like they act like kids, and they're just put into this crazy scenario where yeah, uh, like. Most most 80s kids movies or most 80s kids characters would be played over the top or made to act or stand out in certain ways uh, when this is just like more relatable kids from the neighborhood. And I really, really like that. 
Yeah, and it. But the funny thing is, is every little tiny thing that you would have to do. It's, this is a very complicated ritual to bring these uh, demons. Yeah. <laughs> it is very. There's a lot of steps that you have to do. This isn't something that you could just accidentally, accidentally do. They accidentally do this. It is. It takes everyone. It wasn't just one person. To, it takes a village. You know what I mean? And it took it really, really does. just about every single person in the main cast to help make the gate open because and you have you have the dog dying right which mm-hmm. he's that's a very weird scene um then you have the blood with him getting i think the splinter in his hand you have the geode which they had to find then you had the levitation which had to happen which this girl just says, yeah, I know how to levitate people. And it, it happens. And you're like, right. Okay. And no I guess we just got to buy that. <laughs> and everyone's like, nah, man, it's just, a, it's, it's playing tricks on your eyes. It's just, it's, you know, it's something just playing tricks on you. No, no, everyone saw it. And the kids are just like, guys, you saw it. Obviously it happened. I was floating in the air. Nah, you're just seeing things. All right, cool. People just don't, uh, yeah. that's strange. Um, then they find the heavy metal album and they find that the, what they read on the little Etch-a-Sketch type thing that they had, the you know the little pull one that you can right. do yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the fancy Which, ones. by the way, perfect type of way for a, for a crazy message to be But so absurd on how it ended up happening. It just appeared there, oh, yeah. and they read it out loud, and they got it right. Um, and then they put the body of the dog, like the boyfriend ends up coming out there, or I guess love interest guy for, for his sister, and then buries the dog. Boom, <laughs> we we have the gate opened, and it's like, what the really? I, that, I really that's a can't. lot of stuff that had to happen, and then he finds it out on an album that he randomly bought. I at a it, store. It, it kind of it boggles the mind because oh. it, it's such a, ra- a random happenstance of events that keep piling up to make this very specific thing happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, the way the movie carries itself, you're like, like I, like okay, I'm, I'm down, I'm down for this type of happenstance. Like they just, it, everyone just believes it, so like they just go with it. I, I'm still very impressed at how well uh, this movie can carry itself and still not take itself too seriously because. It, it, it it's it's standing on a house of cards and it still just manages to like just maintain my like enthusiasm yeah not to say well, that it's it, bad but i'm just like this could have yeah. fallen apart at any time and it, like for some reason it still sticks the landing and i'm really like happy that it did yeah me too i mean there's and there's weird moments in it and almost really if you if you think if the gate was always there right and it existed. Right. There's a lot of stuff that seems to be influential, though, in this. And I'm, I'm as I'm thinking and trying to wrap my head around this. Um, remember when the dead worker appears, and it was just a story uh, right. that right. Terry had told, and he's like, "I made that up. None of that was real, but it exists." It's almost like all their fears or whatever they're putting out there or wishing is happening no matter what, whether exactly. the gate is open or not, because the hole is there, right? So mm-hmm. the dog then appearing and looking like, um, looking like Terry's mom, you know, and appearing as like this ghost's weird spirit as he's dancing with it. And I don't know if he's like squeezed the dog too hard or he just died of a heart attack or what's gone on. Um, 
but maybe because the, all of this happened and the tree was struck by lightning, which is a very strange dream sequence in the beginning, too, that he has. Um, right. Which I actually kind of liked because I'm I oh, yeah. a huge fan of like effective dream filmmaking, and this yes. one was really, really good. Oh, I thought it was solid. I, I enjoyed that moment a lot, but it makes me start thinking that the second this opened up, it put its influence out there probably to make every single one of these events happen. So really, uh, in a way, I guess that could fill that plot hole because they don't fill, do the ritual until all that stuff has kind of influenced them. Exactly. And I think I like it when those motions are being set from the Mm. very beginning of the movie. Uh, Yeah. Because if you think back on it, you're like, oh, okay, so this makes sense. That's why this happens. You can like daisy chain all of these events to like trace back its influence. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's smart. Like it's smarter than I than I would have thought, actually. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it it really is. Well, actually, what's really smart about this movie, one of the best things um, is when you're dealing with the those little imps, like the little demon imps in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- those were all like actors shot in I, a weird force perspective in suits. I was going to say, like, th- it looked they moved so lifelike and so well that I'm yeah. like, they ha- this had to have been some sort of really good trickery because, like, it's too good to be stop motion. Mm-hmm. It's too yep. like it's too like realistic to be animated. Like, and, 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 and each like, one is moving individually, and if you look specifically, none of the movements are really the same. Like, everyone's doing something differently. And it looks so good. It really does. And it's all force perspective, and then basically, you know, you're doing layers when you're putting it together, I guess, right. like blue screen or, or And however. when the arm gets caught in the door, and, like, it just, like, melts into, like, these little worms, and it comes down. Yeah. And like, oh, so cool. So yeah, and it's it's got some really awesome sequences in this film. Some of the effects are awesome. There's really such attention to detail. Remember in the beginning they focus on the pictures of moving through the house to see the family. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then later as they're moving through, you see that Glenn is the only one alive and his whole family's been murdered. Exactly, yeah. And it's such a cool moment of just... There's a lot of that throughout the film. So... What I enjoy is that, yes, it is an isolated film. It's taking place, you know, like a bottle episode, basically in, in a house in the backyard. You get a couple of scenes outside of that, but that's where it takes place for the most part. And I think that is what's awesome is when they really do the set uh, decorations in there and the set dressing. So yeah, it's and, a, so when they're it's filming it, it points a- out to, to callbacks and stuff in the film. And you feel like, oh, this is a real world. This is really cool. Things are actually affecting them. Um, and some really killer practical effects, like moving through the wall, almost that oh, nightmare yeah. on Elm Street the, look. Except the, like, it was, yeah. Oh man, it, it's like these little. I, I couldn't tell if they were like being rolled across because each one of them looked different, but it was the yeah. whole wall, and it was yeah. like panning across. I was like, God damn, that's like such effort to make that whole set piece just one moving thing. It's so cool. Yeah, and we're talking a movie that had around a two and a half to five million dollar budget. So, uh, by no means shoestring, but like uh, they used it to the fullest of its effect. They did really well. I mean, they also filmed it in Canada, which you can tell by those two sisters um, because they have the a very very heavy Canadian accent, Lori uh, Lee yes. and <laughs> Linda Lee. Um, and that, it's it's very noticeable in a few scenes uh, but of it, but it did gross around thirteen million dollars, so it was successful as uh you know for for what it was, and it did have a sequel. Right. 
the gate two. Right, um, which, and I don't really know if that was any good or not, but I'm it's, guessing um, it was good. It's okay. Lewis Tripp is back <laughs> as Terry, and right, right. It, it's okay. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> it's cheesy. It's it's still the same director too. Um, Interesting, and it's really really cheesy. It plays it up for more of a comedy. It's definitely R. They up the gore. I mean, ridiculous amounts of gore, but. If you're looking for something that's definitely a B-movie, almost like in the same vein of, let's say, Warlock to the Armageddon. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you're going and you're going to watch a cheesy movie. It came out in the early 90s. Don't expect it to be amazing, but there are worse ways to kill a Sunday afternoon. Sure. And I think by far, uh, I, I wouldn't have expected a sequel to come out of something like this. Uh, yeah. Only if it was moderately successful. Uh, since it was the 80s, like they were kind of throwing sequels out there just to be like, all right, well, we can cash in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I like I could see the idea of a sequel, but it seems more like this seems too this story seems too like a hole in the wall, random happenstance that I kind of wouldn't want one or I wouldn't want to pursue one because like it just seems like an isolated moment in time that was just crazy. I wouldn't want to dig deep into the sort of mythos of this event more. Yeah. Uh, but good to know that it was decent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all right. It's got it's got its moments. I can see a lot of people probably don't like it, especially if you're a huge fan of the Gate. You're probably like, oh man, the sequel's rough. Um, <laughs> but some people probably love it. I I think it's all right. It's not bad. Um, well, it is bad, good but enough. bad in a good way. <laughs> What's interesting about this movie is that this film gets that whole there's a weird gate that we have to close in our backyard right. And there are other films that don't do that so well. Um, right. I remember Joe Dante what? made The Hole back oh. about uh, maybe less than 10 years ago. And it's about, you know, a hole to like a different dimension in your house or whatever. It's not, it's not very good. You know, right. it, has these, it has some of these same type of elements almost, but it just feels like a... Mm, like a, uh, a watered-down version well, I think the most immediate like thoughts or like to a comparison or at least the most high profile one would probably be Poltergeist. Uh, but oh, that, that's kind of a yeah, yeah for well, this. Well, the face the face scene, dude, when his parents are out there and oh, he runs yeah, up yeah, yeah. to him and he's like his dad has him and his dad's choking him and all of a sudden the face <laughs> just bursts out and melts yeah. away. That's a nasty scene. And that is that's horrifying. Like if you're just seeing that out of context, it's like, what, right. yeah, it's, what it's is a, this movie? Like, if you were to walk in on that scene, you would be like, what, what the hell What the hell are you watching? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the type of adventure, the type of shenanigans that those 80s kids get into, you don't see in movies nowadays because of the times being different. And uh, not like there are obviously some things that we would like to harken back to, some things that we don't. Uh, but in terms of adventure, fantasy, horror, filmmaking, man... This hits a lot of the good spots. Yeah, no, I think I think this is this is a type of film you want from like a fantasy adventure, especially if you're going to have kids in it and you're conjuring up demons, essentially, or a hole to right. hell. And um, still effective for PG thirteen, like we like well, lest we forget. This remember this was not meant to be what it ended up being because when Michael Nankin wrote the first draft of it. Um, 
he basically took everything he could, like the the worst stuff, uh, and put it into this film. So basically, the two characters of Glenn and Al were not as I guess nice of characters and right. didn't really try to close the the portal right away. So the demons spread out to the town and started slaughtering people and tearing people apart. And uh, the big one at the end apparently was supposed to be like intestines and guts and just everything right, right, put right. together. And it it you know you you got to think all right here's my budget and uh, can I actually get away with doing that because the MPAA during that time would have torn this movie to shreds for sure. And uh, I'm glad that you know I'm glad they went with this route going with like stop motion the forced perspective stuff with the suits and then you know just creating some fun some fun set dressing stuff in there some fun props and just giving us this overall feel of holy shit what the hell am i going to see next right and it's fun like more moreover it's fun uh yeah. i i th- i think this is a very good movie to recommend uh, that will very much go under the radar of a lot of people. Like I certainly didn't know about it. And it's a very solid recommend for somebody who wants to harken back to the time of the Goonies, to the time of those adventure fantasy uh, PG 13 horror, when it kind of meant something more to just be than either jump scares or uh, just having things pop out and go boo. It's very much yeah. uh, a tone. It's an ambiance. It's a very fun type of movie and I I can't really recommend this enough only because of how again fun it is yeah I mean I feel the same way about it this is um this is one of those movies that over the years a lot of people have watched now it seems to have a better following especially since it has been available on all sorts of streaming platforms for the past few years and I feel like a lot of people have seen it that way a lot of people grew up with it I mean I have this film on VHS like, oh yeah, I grew up with this movie, and it is—it's awesome. Th- these are like my favorite type of horror films. You know, you're putting—you're not just relying on, yeah, as you said, jump scares or just gimmick, just gimmicky horror stuff. It's this is a film that wasn't out there to make a ton of money. It wasn't something that was like, man, we're making this film solely to make some cash. Like that is not what this film is. Exactly. Uh, and I, that's why I appreciate it so much. Exactly. And I think that's why people should probably look out towards more movies like these because we don't see them that often. And I think yeah. we're kind of just getting back to that time of wanting to uh, find that again. No, it, it used to be people would hunt down these films, you know what I mean? Back in the day when you had to, when it wasn't everything was digital or being pushed in your face – you would hear about stuff. You would say, you would hear, "Hey, there's this movie out there that you need to see." Exactly. And you go down to your local video store. You try and find it. Can't find it there. You go to another one. Hell, I would go to the places that would, uh, you know, those big mom and pop shops that would sell them sometimes, like with the right. giant just walls and walls and walls and walls and walls of VHS coming in on that printer paper with the catalog list that's got like the perforated stuff. Yeah. That. I mean, that to me was like. That was a that was a good time, you know? Like you could go out, you could find what you wanted to go or what you wanted to see, but like you knew that there was something out there. You were always on the hunt for something better, not just what was being pushed down your throat. Now, that's much harder to do. 
Oh, absolutely. There's stuff everywhere and it's being pushed at you from all sides. But most of what's being pushed out there on these streaming platforms, I'd say a good amount of it is garbage. Um, Uh, Yeah. It's modern modern day straight to DVD or straight to VOD garbage that is just being pumped out just to make a quick buck. It's not... Some of these really good ones are... They don't get a distribution deal somehow or... The only way, because they're trying to recoup how much they spent on it, they aren't going to put it on a streaming platform right away. They're going to want you to either rent or buy it, which is fine, and I'm totally always down for doing that. But sometimes it it takes them forever to get that distribution deal, to yeah, even get and, it and out there to get it on DVD or, or Blu-ray or anything. So sure. I don't know, man. Some of it's really frustrating. Um, but at the same time, Hey, what you gonna do? There's still great movies do? out there. There's tons that come out all the time, um, but there's a lot that have been flying under the radar, especially lately. So absolutely. Well, and yeah. we'll keep finding them. So mm-hmm. that is gonna do it for us this week, Rob. What are we gonna be looking at next week? Uh, yeah, we're gonna take a look at Jordan Peele's Us because I am so excited. Yeah, I you know, there's so much hype behind this film right now. Like the new reviews are this is the greatest horror film of all time. And I'm like, yeah, that's 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 a huge it's a I, lofty. It's, I don't I don't know about that. Listen, I, all I know is that like Jordan Peele like came exploding out of the gate with Get Out and really made a mark for himself and Apparently, this ain't no sophomore slump. Like, he's still got it. And can no, still actually, make us, a really I mean, I movie. thought Get Out was fine. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good horror. Mm-hmm. Um, this looks better. Like, this yes. just looks... Yeah, this looks... I'm more intrigued by this. Yeah, more. it has a very interesting setup. It's got some a stellar cast. Uh, I'm just excited from what he's going to come out with next because with how much Get Out exploded, he can pretty much do whatever project he wants. And the fact that he's still doing horror movies that are interesting and cool to him uh, is really, really refreshing. And I'm just very excited to see what he comes out with next. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that, uh, I guess that'll do it for us this week. And we'll, uh, we will give you our thoughts on us in about a week's time. Yeah. But until then, why don't you tell us where we can be found on the internet, Rob? Well, we are at ohthehorrorcast.com. You can also find us, uh, search for us wherever you get your podcasts, you know, iTunes, Spotify, any of that stuff. Just search Oh the Horror or Oh the Horror Cast will pop up there. Um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. But until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll see you next time. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room in hell. The dead. <laughs>